from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. As we celebrate the Protestant Reformation this month, our upcoming impact newsletter will look at 10 ways the Reformation helped give birth to America. We would like to extend an invitation to you to receive a free three-month subscription to our Impact newsletter, beginning with that enlightening issue. To begin your free subscription, just call us toll-free at 888-332-3069. Once again, that's 888-332-3069. October 31st is just a few days away from now, and it marks the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, which began with Martin Luther nailing his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. At the time, even Luther himself could hardly have known what he was unleashing. Because of the Reformation, the Bible became widely available to individual members of the church, and the transforming power of the Word of God changed the world. The Reformers rediscovered the truth that Jesus was not merely Lord over some sequestered spiritual realm, but over everything. So how does that affect your life? Dr. D. James Kennedy gives us a crystal clear picture of what the Reformation was chiefly about and what it means to be a Protestant in his message, The Reformation, Then and Now. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the first chapter of Paul's epistle to the Romans. Romans chapter 1, beginning with the 14th verse. May we hear the inspired word of the living God. I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, 
they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust, one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And may God speak to us today through his holy word. May his name ever be praised. Amen. October 31st is, of course, Reformation Day. It is the birthday of Protestantism. Are you a Protestant? Many Protestants aren't. Why, they have no more idea what the Reformation was about than they could explain to you the special theory of relativity. They have no more idea what the gospel is than those that lived in the depths of the Dark Ages. They are members of a church by accident of birth and they attend by mere habit. And they would have no more idea when they went into one church whether the preacher was preaching the gospel or whether he was preaching the absolute antithesis to it. What Luther rediscovered was simply grace. And if anyone has the idea that grace is something that you earn by your good life or your good works, you have no idea what grace is. Grace is that which is totally unearned, totally undeserved, totally unworked for. It is free. It is given to people who deserve the very opposite. It is heaven given to people that ought to go to hell. It is the astounding, amazing grace of God which is unlike anything in this world. And we simply turn it around and make it into some kind of merit of our own. But Christ, in the effulgence of his glory and the wonder of his grace, died on a cross and rose from the dead and offers salvation freely, gratuitously, graciously, 
to every undeserving, unworthy sinner who will believe in his cross, undeserved, unearned. That is grace. And in 1483, in the humble home of a woodcutter, a little child was born named Martin Luther. Martin Luther never set out to do anything great. His only desire was the salvation of his own soul. Yet, as the great writer Carlyle said, Luther was great not in the sense of somebody who set out to accomplish something, but great as a mountain is great, just by standing there. And that mountain changed the course of history as God in his marvelous providence revealed to him something that was not going to remain with him for long. And so Luther grew up, went to college. He was going off to law school to study law. And he and a friend were walking back to the university and the sky became lowering and it darkened. The clouds gathered and the rain began to descend. They weren't particularly interested, hardy folks, those, until suddenly there was a flash of brightness that almost blinded Luther and a thunderous sound as lightning struck his friend right at his side, killing him instantly, throwing Luther onto his face in the mud, filling his heart with terror. He was absolutely certain another bolt was going to fall and hit him, and he lifted up his muddied face and his dirtied hand to heaven and said, Help, St. Anna, and I will enter a monastery. And so he set out, to do his good deeds, to earn his merit, to get all of the merit badges he could to save his soul. And when he entered in to those doors of the Augustinian monastery in Erfurt, Germany, and those great doors clanged closed behind him, Martin Luther was dead to the world. Staupitz, the head of the monastery, one of those few people that that really had grasped the gospel in the midst of those dark ages, set him to teaching the scriptures and told him to teach the book of Romans, from which I read today. And Luther came across that passage in Romans 1.17, which is called the birth text of Protestantism. It is carved into this pulpit in front of you. As it is written, the just shall live by faith, Romans 1.17. And Luther came across that verse, and he could not understand it. And Staupitz decided about this time to send him as an emissary to Rome, hoping that that might do some good for his soul. Now, Martin Luther was thoroughly convinced that the city of Rome was inhabited by angels and saints. But he was in for a very disappointing shock. When he got there, he ran like a crazed pilgrim, he said, from one church to another, from one shrine to another, from one relic to another, saying all of the prescribed prayers and adding up the number of days of indulgences that he had earned, until at last he came to the Scala Sancta. Those were the actual stairs upon which Christ had stood 1,500 years before that. 
that led up to Pontius Pilate's palace where his seat was, where he passed judgment, and they had been brought 300 years after that by the mother of Constantine into the city of Rome. And now the pilgrims went up these stairs on their knees, praying the various prayers on each step. And he got part of the way up when he thought that he heard a voice. It was but a whisper. And it said, Oh, Martin, the just shall live by faith. But he couldn't understand that. And he went up several more steps and said the appropriate prayers. And that voice, which was but pianissimo, he heard again, this time forte, the just shall live by faith. And he said more prayers and went up several more steps. And then the voice came again. This time it was thundering as if it filled the entire cathedral. This time it was fortissimo, the just shall live by faith. Suddenly, Luther leaped to his feet. He couldn't understand that everybody in the place did not hear this voice. He looked around and it seemed that scales had fallen from his eyes and suddenly he understood that we are justified by faith. In fact, the Greek text actually says those justified by faith shall live. And consequently, those who seek to be justified in any other way shall not live. And he ran down the stairs and out of the city and back to Wittenberg. And he began to preach the glad tidings of the gospel of the free grace of God. And the gospel continued to grow there in Wittenberg until at length... A man by the name of Tetzel came hawking indulgences. Indulgences were something that in that day they bought to pay to get loved ones out of purgatory. And uh, Luther was upset by this. He stumbled over a man lying in the gutter as he, as he was going home. And the man had a piece of paper that was signed by the Pope that said that all of his sins had been forgiven when he purchased this. As Tetzel said, when the coin falls into the bucket, the soul rises up out of purgatory. And Luther, knowing that there was no such thing as this in the Bible, sat down and wrote 95 theses, statements about why this was contrary to the teaching of the Bible. And on October 31st, 1517, he walked about a mile from his home to the castle church in Wittenberg and nailed those theses to the door. They were written in Latin. The purpose for them was to have a debate between other scholars and theologians about that. But printing had only recently been discovered. The theses were translated into Latin and then into, into German and then other languages, and soon they'd spread all over Europe, and the whole continent was ablaze with this. Eck, Dr. Eck, the greatest debater in Europe, challenged him to debate. Luther was but a humble monk, but he accepted it and based upon the scriptures, people were astonished to find that he had backed Eck 
right up against the wall. And so now it was demanded that he come to the Diet of Worms. I remember a student in school said that uh, Luther went to a council where all they ate was worms. Though the Diet of Worms, as it's pronounced, is not a diet of worms. It was a great convention of both the authorities and state and church that met to consider this now very controversial issue of what was the gospel. And uh, Luther was told not to go. Remember John Huss, he was warned. A hundred years before that, John Huss, who was a professor in Bohemia, who had made the same discovery, was invited to come to the Council of Constance. He was given safe conduct there and back. But when they got there, they declared him to be a heretic, canceled his safe conduct, said there would be no debate, and burned him at the stake. Remember John Huss. They said over and over again, don't go to Worms. Luther said, though the devils be as thick as the tiles on the roof, I go to Worms. He was convinced that they would allow a debate. And so in a large wagon pulled by a couple of oxen, he slowly wound his way across the countryside of Germany to the city of Worms. And to his amazement, there were tens of thousands of people gathered there. And he went into this gigantic hall, larger than this, where there were 5,000 people inside. And there at the head, seated upon a great throne chair, was the newly crowned and elected emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, the Spaniard Charles V. Just a very, very young man himself. And beside him were the electors from the Vatican, Alexander and Eck. In addition, there were archbishops and bishops, and there were dukes and counts and princes, the five electors of the Holy Roman Empire, including Frederick the Wise, who was Luther's elector, were all there. This was an issue of great importance. And out in front of the throne chair was several long tables covered with books. And he was told, when he was brought out into the room, clothed in the humble garments of a monk, that he was not to speak unless he was spoken to. And he was only to answer the questions placed to him, and he was to answer them first in Latin and then in German. And Eck asked the question, are these your books? He walked up one side of the table, down the other, and said, in Latin and German, yes, they are. He asked them the second question, will you recant? It was as if a spear pierced his heart. And suddenly he saw in his mind's eye the flames consuming the flesh off of Huss. He could not believe they were doing it again. It was recant or burn. And Luther was stunned. His knees grew weak. He almost collapsed on the floor. And he said, since this is a matter of such great importance, the eternal salvation of human souls, I ask for some time to consider my answer. And they booed and hissed and laughed, and he was given 24 hours. They didn't know that he spent that 
that night on his knees, praying to God for strength for what he knew lay ahead. And the next day he was led out again. Will you recant? Luther said, since some of these books deal with things such as the Lord's Prayer and other things that we all agree on, how can I recant of these things? And Eck said, I want a clear answer devoid of horns or hoofs. Will you or will you not recant? And he said, since you demand such, I will give you an answer without horns or without hoofs. Since my conscience is bound by the word of God, unless I am refuted by clear testimony or arguments from the Holy Scripture, and since it is unwise to go against conscience, since it is obvious that synods and popes have both erred, I cannot and I will not recant anything. There was a huge uproar from the 5,000 people there. Heretic, burn him! Burn him! And then Luther pronounced those final words that have ever etched themselves into the minds of men who love liberty. He said, and here, religious liberty was born for the first time ever. Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. God help me. Amen. He was condemned to be burned at the stake, given 20 days to change his mind. And he made his way slowly back. And there was a thunder of horses' hoofs. And a great group of men came galloping down beside him. He thought they had changed their mind and were going to kill him right there. Suddenly he was lifted out of the wagon onto one of the horses. These were the men of Frederick the Wise. Took him to the temple in the Thuringian forest. To the fortress, rather. And there in that fortress, he was under guard for one year during which time he translated the whole Bible from the Hebrew and the Greek into German, a book which totally determined the German language from that time forward. And the Reformation spread. The gospel of grace was heard again. And people's lives were changed. Salvation is by grace. It is unearned, undeserved, unmerited, it is provided by Christ alone and is received by a simple trust in him. May we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, may some say today, perhaps for the first time, Lord Jesus, be thou, be thou my righteousness. And may my sin be thine. In thy name, amen. As Dr. Kennedy said, salvation is by grace. It's unearned, undeserved, unmerited. 
It's provided by Christ alone, and it's received by a simple trust in Him. Have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ, or are you still trusting in your own efforts to get to heaven? I urge you, don't wait. Accept the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ is offering even now. If you'd like to do that, we can go together to God in prayer. Simply pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner, and I repent and ask you to forgive me for my sins. I place my trust in you alone, knowing that I could never be good enough to go to heaven based upon my own merit. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. In your name I pray, amen. I hope you prayed that prayer just now. And if you did, we have a book that we'd like to send you entitled, Beginning Again, which is precisely what you're doing. In these pages, you'll learn how to read and study the Bible and so much more. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number. God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy explained today, the heart and soul of the gospel is that we can be justified before a holy God through faith alone in Jesus Christ's work on our behalf. And that truth was rediscovered by Martin Luther and others as they put aside the errors of men that had crept into the church's theology and went back to the scriptures alone. The Word of God is such an important part of our lives. It has helped build the world we live in and continues to transform lives and cultures daily. Dr. D. James Kennedy was passionate for proclaiming the Word of Christ through the scriptures. And that's why he wrote the book, What If the Bible Had Never Been Written, along with Dr. Jerry Newcomb. We would like to send you that hardcover book today as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or you can go online to djkm.org. And for a limited time, as we celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, we will send you this book plus the leather-bound D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible as our thanks for your generous donation of $75 or more. This Bible features hundreds of articles from Dr. Kennedy on topics from Islam and other religions to whether or not the Bible teaches socialism. And much of it has never been published before this special Bible. It's Dr. Kennedy's 50 years of ministry distilled into one rich volume and you'll use it and treasure it for decades to come. We will send you both the hardcover book, What If the Bible Had Never Been Written, as well as the leather-bound D. James Kennedy Topical Study Bible as our thanks for your donation of just $75 or more. Or we'll send you the hardcover book by itself as our thanks for a generous donation. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org.
I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.